0: Well, we've been singing about Jesus the Lord and talking about how God orchestrated everything so that he might save us, rescue us from our sin. And what I want to do today is gather up the various strands of the book of Genesis and seek to culminate them in the way that the book itself culminates. We're going to go to chapter 45. We could go to chapter 50, which would be the last chapter of the book. It's the book of beginnings, And it covers the lifespan of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we've looked at each of these patriarchs through 2011, sat down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph because Jesus said that in the kingdom of God, many would come from the east and the west, and they would sit down at the feast with Abraham Isaac and Jacob so we've been sitting down with the patriarchs trying to learn from them asking them questions and discovering truths from their lives and their words and today we culminate that entire series and particularly the story of Joseph and I want us to go to chapter 45 because Joseph here reveals himself to his brothers and then speaks to them I want you to hear what he has to say after this chapter you've got the death of jacob and you have the blessing in fact that jacob gives all twelve of his children and then you have the death of joseph as well and that's how the book basically ends then joseph in verse one of chapter forty five could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out have everyone leave my presence so there was no one with joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And we have explored that relationship in sermons past. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. What an emotional moment. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence then joseph said to his brothers come close to me i guess they were hanging back when they had done so he said i am your brother joseph the one you sold into egypt well there's the clincher who would know that and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now there's been famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so then it was not you who sent me here but God Joseph is the powerful prime minister of the whole land of Egypt he's a man who can order what he wants done, and it is done. He has all the money that he needs. He has a beautiful wife. He has two handsome sons. Life has come together for him in a way no one would have predicted. He is the same man who as a 17, 18-year-old boy was captured by his brothers, beaten up, stripped of the robe that was the symbol of his father's favor thrown in a pit and eventually sold to slave traders who took him to Egypt and to certain death but he didn't die this book is full of trouble it's full of heartache some of you've been surprised if we made the trip through Genesis how much trouble there is in the book of Genesis, how much sin, how much evil in the world, how much evil even in the patriarchs. Some of us have been astonished at the behavior of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in succession. We didn't know that was in the Bible. We wondered, who are these people and how can they be the patriarchs and the father of the faithful to behave like this? And so at the culmination of the book of Genesis, You have worked out in story, in narrative, in the life of the patriarchal family, an amazing reconciliation and restoration of this family that you would have thought was a goner forever. How will they ever get back together? How will Jacob ever forgive those sons who took his favored one and told him he was dead? 20 years now, he's lived without his son. How will this family ever have another happy holiday together? But there is a God who, beyond your ability to imagine, can restore and heal and reconcile. And the book of Genesis culminates with this great truth. Some of you may think, well, maybe you're talking about bad stuff today because you've experienced bad stuff, and I have. Maybe more bad stuff, more grief and sorrow and loss in the last month than ever in my life before. It's not because of my personal journey that I end on this note. It's because this note is common to all stories, yours included. Not just a patriarchal family, but yours as well. Experience heartache beyond belief. And the testing of your faith, it isn't superficial or a little bitty thing. It goes to the very core of your being. And that's how life is. Life tests the deepest parts of who we are. And some stuff is so bad that it tries to fill up our world. It spills over into everything else about us. Things happen to us like happened to Joseph. And we bear the scars, as I'm sure he did, the rest of our lives. And sometimes we see the world colored by these terrible things. What happened to Joseph is not a Hurricane Katrina or cancer. So those are terrible things and can appear to be capricious, difficult to understand and reconcile to our faith. But natural disasters, in my mind, are not so hard to grasp as the disaster that comes because your brother inflicts pain upon you. The one who was supposed to love you doesn't love you. The place that was supposed to be safe was not safe for you. And when we suffer from the sin and evil of other people, it's even harder to bear. Now Joseph comes to this point in his life to really the culmination and climax of the story and he has taken the pain and sorrow and separation and loss that he bore in this life and he has framed it in an amazing way and I want you to pay attention to how he framed his own personal trouble. He framed his own life in God's grace. He took the bad stuff and he put it inside the picture frame of God's grace. I don't know what the boundaries and borders are for you. I don't know how you frame things, how you perceive them and understand them but I'm going to give you a new idea about how to see the bad stuff that may be a stumbling block to you. It may be keeping you from God. It may be keeping you from other people. It may even be raging inside of you so you can't be reconciled within. I'm going to give you a new way of seeing the bad stuff, all right? I'm going to do this because it's the way that Joseph handled the pain and difficulty of his life. And I believe it's the great lesson of the book of Genesis. There is a sovereign God. Sovereign. Simeon, when he takes that little baby in his arms outside the temple, he prays, Now, sovereign Lord, let your servant depart in peace. He's an old man. He knows death is near. How does he see his own death? He sees it in the sovereignty of God. He feels like a soldier standing before the God who made him. And he says, now that I've seen this child, I'm ready to be dismissed, sir. You can dismiss me now. I've been on duty a long time. Ready to be dismissed whenever you are. You can dismiss me, and guess what? You'll dismiss me in peace. Isn't that how you want to be dismissed? Dismissed in peace. Dismiss your servant in peace, Simeon said. How do you get there? With your own death, which is sure to come. You do it in the sovereignty of God. A sovereign God, what does that mean? It means that God rules over all from left to right and up to down from east to west and north to south he is the one who rules over all and you can't get where joseph got in his life with the bad stuff until you confess that god is sovereign and you must see your life your particular story your journey the things that have happened to you under the covering of god's sovereignty secondly You must embrace the goodness of God. That God is good. You see it. In the words of of Joseph, as he tells his brothers, God was working out a plan. He wanted to save the remnant. It was always the remnant that carried the good news of the gospel and the seed of salvation. And and Joseph doesn't know how the story is going to end with Jesus coming as the Savior, but he knows that somehow his brothers selling him into the slavery, that deep, dark pit that he was in, worked out so that God might bring salvation to his family, to the remnant. Even to the nations. Why? Because God is good. The fundamental teaching that God is good. You've got to embrace it. You can't just say it up here. One day you'll need it to be permeating every part of your being, it'll need to be in your heart, your soul, your spirit, your language the way you talk, the way you walk, and who you are, the goodness of God. A medical doctor said to me one day, it changed my life when I learned that God is good. See, if God is good, then the fundamental movement of all of creation is good. And the bad goes inside of that frame somehow. Now, there are people who work on how it fits in the frame all their lives. I'm not sure how all the details work out, but I know this God is good, and that is the overarching. Truth that circles everything in my life. And Joseph believed that. He believed in a sovereign God who was good and who is purposeful. You've got to believe this too. That God is working out a purpose, that He is active in His world, working out a purpose. It's not just that He's powerful. It's not just that He's good, but that He is purposeful. Joseph believed this he sat there he looked at his brothers and he told the story of their selling him into Egypt and said you know God used that God was right there all along in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 right near the end of the book of Genesis he reiterates to his brothers cuz they're having a time getting it and when Jacob the dad dies they think oh my are we in trouble you know Joseph's just withheld his anger until dad dies, and now he's going to get us. And so they say, We need to tell him something. And so they, they write a note to Joseph and they say, Hey, before dad died, he said, Be very kind to your brothers, please. And when they do that, they come before Joseph scared to death because dad has died. Joseph says, Hey, hey, put it away. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good okay you can reframe your own personal life by believing in the power and sovereignty of God believing that God is fundamentally good and this truth spills into everything in the universe believing that he has a purpose that he is working out in your life in my life and in his world And really, that's what we mean at Christmas. When we come and talk about the coming of the Savior, we're talking about God's purpose, which He introduced in the first chapter of the book of Genesis, and then spoke about to Adam and Eve, and taught it to the patriarchs, so that Joseph, even right here, talks about the salvation of His people. God has a purpose. We talk about the second advent when Jesus will return. And what does that mean? It means that God continues to work out His purpose in this world and He is drawing human history to its proper culmination in Christ Jesus, the Savior who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we confess Him as Savior and Lord in our own life, we are participating with a future gathering of all those who have knees and everybody who has a tongue. And they will join with us in the confession we are making now, in that future day. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue God ever made will confess Jesus is Lord. That's where history's going. It is the purposeful intention of God in his world that he is working out. So you reframe your own life in the power, goodness, and purpose of Of God but Joseph does something here that goes even further than that not only is this healing to his heart we could have come upon a very bitter man with lots of revenge in his heart just wait till I get the chance to see those boys again that's who we could have come upon we don't reframing the bad stuff in the light of God's goodness and purpose transformed Joseph on the inside and out He became a different man. He sits at peace in the place of power. Not nursing the grudge, the revenge, the bitterness that he could have had in his heart over what his brothers did to him. He's let it go. Why? Because he's reframed the bad stuff in the light of God's grace to him. God's been good to me. That's what he would say. God has been good. Not only has he reframed his life in God's grace, but now he does this amazing thing we've just read about. He extends this grace that he now enjoys, that stabilizes him, that transformed his attitude, his heart, and his whole being. He extends it to his offending brothers. Yeah. He says to them, Look! Do not be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for what you did when you sold me here. Let's make clear what we're talking about. You remember when you beaten me up, stripped me of my robe, throw me in the hole, sold me to the slave traders, thinking I was dead for sure? Remember when that happened? You remember when you told dear old dad that I was dead and been torn apart by wild beasts? You remember that? Don't worry about him. Don't be distressed, don't be angry about it. How can you do that? We're not talking about minor offenses here. We're not talking about little white lies that he was told. We're, about, we're talking about people who wanted to kill him and did everything but, and separated him from his loving dad for the last 20 years, and told his dad that he was dead, and let him mourn and grieve and live with that lie. We're not talking about little stuff. talking about the big stuff. I mean, the big things. The stuff you say, how could I ever forgive him for that? How could I ever get reconciled for that? How can I ever get that out of my heart? How will the anger ever leave? That stuff, right there. Joseph sits in this place at peace on the inside, no longer eaten up with anger. and now he extends to his brothers the grace that he himself enjoys and says do not be distressed he knows the stuff we do the moral failure that is ours it can stress us out it makes us feel like a failure we do these things we wander off the trail we fall into the pit we get into self destructive behaviors and we go into self condemnation. What are you doing to yourself? All the stuff you've done to you. We live under this cloud of self condemnation for the behaviors that we know were wrong. And we feel the stress about it because life on the planet isn't working out like it should for us. We've messed it up. We messed it up royally. When you get grace from God, it's free. He loves you despite yourself, despite what you've done. He extends his forgiveness to you freely. When you truly understand that, that you are forgiven, your sin is gone, you are white on the inside, it's a miracle, you never dreamed it could be, but it's happened to you. And when you experience it fully, and you understand it, and you internalize it, Somehow you cannot beat up this brother anymore who's been cruel to you and done you wrong, but you can't live with that hatred anymore in your heart. You cannot do it. Once you know all that God has released to make you part of His family, you cannot exclude this one who has wronged you so deeply. We live with anger in our hearts, not just toward other people, but toward ourselves for the foolish and stupid and wicked things we do. And there comes a time when we got to let that go. We just have to. We can't live with it. Jesus died on the cross to buy you peace from that thing which so troubles your life. He let his own blood run out on that cross. He paid that price so that you might be liberated from the guilt and self-condemnation which you bear. And every day that you continue the self-flagellation is another day that Christ's death is in vain to deliver you from it. And so it's time now to say, Lord. I'm ready to be free. These boys are suffering from a sin 20 years old. It's time to let it go. Stop being angry. Stop the distress. And no, really, really, I forgive you. There is such a power in this throne room as these brothers realize Joseph is alive, it's not just the power of royalty in Egypt. It's the power of this man so changed by grace and so willing to pass it on. And we have the opportunity to let that same incredible power of grace flow into us and through us. Because God's chosen one, Jesus, has made it all possible. Let's bow together. What needs done in you this Christmas? What anger do you bear that you know you must release? What stress do you live under that you place yourself under because of things you've done before, mistakes you've made and sins? Would you reframe your life in God's grace? Realize that God has done everything to set you free from the burden and penalty of sin in His own Son, Jesus. And would you by faith now just trust in the God who made you, who sent His only Son to die on the cross for you, who calls you to Himself and wants you in His family. Would you just trust Him? Receive His grace, believe in His Son, commit your life to Him. And would you in this Christmas season extend this grace to the neighbor who wronged you the parents who left you the brother who hurt you the spouse who alienated you and in God's powerful grace know the transformation just not of your heart but of every relationship that is yours Holy Spirit, thank you for being present in this room to do your work. We're open books. We open our hearts. All this Christmas season, we know you want us. As best we know how. We offer ourselves.